This is The Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Okay, very, very hot topic this week, at least if using the measure of the amount of uh, pre-show publicity or flack that I've gotten from various sources. The subject is the uh, President Biden's uh, forgiveness of a certain amount of uh, student loans. Uh, The rough outline of that is that students uh, who are... uh, Meet certain income criteria, uh, essentially not being higher income right now, uh, will have forgiven up to $10,000 in student loans if they uh, were, uh, at the time of getting the loan, a recipient of a Pell Grant, which is uh, Pell Grants are given to lower income students, that figure may be as high as $20,000. Many students have... uh, uh, loans uh, considerably in excess of that. The the uh, argument has uh, generated a lot of heat. Uh, we're hopefully going to shed, shed, shed some light on it, but we've got proponents on uh, both sides of this. Cesar Aguilar is executive director of the Arizona Students Association. By that title, you might surmise, and you would be correct, that he favors this. Professor Michael Humer is a philosophy professor at the University of Colorado. He takes a different side of this. We're going to hear from both sides of this. But as an old debater, I give the the first the fl- initial floor is to somebody who proposes something. And uh, uh, what's been proposed is, uh, you know, that President Biden's uh, forgiveness of student loans under certain under certain circumstances, uh, is a good thing. Uh, Caesar, why do you think this is a good idea? Yeah, so Caesar here. Um, I represent the Arizona Students Association, and a little bit about ASA is uh, we were created by the three student body presidents at all three universities at NAU, ASU, and U of A in 1973, and we advocate for affordable and accessible higher education in the state of Arizona. Um, I've been personally involved in this movement for a very long time, Um, since my freshman year in college back in 2014. And I think this movement has been going on even before that. Uh, And I would say that it started when we started to see uh, the increase of student loans um, and we saw America come to uh, over a trillion dollars in student loans as a a nation. Um, And, you know, there's a a lot of factors that play into why education is very expensive um, and why it continues to rise. but, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, we're coming from a stance of uh, we don't think, um, you know, President Biden did enough. Uh, we are happy with the decision that he did do, and that was to cancel up to $10,000 in student debt um, and up to $20,000 in student debt for those that have uh, Pell Grants. Um, and uh, the, the reason that we're for this is because, um, you know, higher education historically has had a lot of inequities. We've seen, uh, you know, um, uh, student loans allow uh, low-income students to be able to attend a higher institution. We've seen more students of color be able to attend a higher uh, education because of student loans. Um, and a large portion of uh, the cancellation of student debt uh, impacted those individuals directly. We got to see um, you know, 43 million borrowers um, 
getting uh, student loans uh, canceled. Uh, and here in Arizona specifically, we're looking at about 900,000 students that it's, or, or sorry, 900,000 people that it's going to impact here in Arizona. And that's, that varies from students all the way to, you know, uh, people who've already uh, graduated and are older folks. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, so I think I think that's a, a big portion of why I've, got, I've written this down. Argument one yeah. is equity. Yeah, equity. Okay. Yep. Yeah. What else? Uh, yeah, it's, it's equity. I mean, it, it's relieving a lot of families, including myself. I got to see uh, my student loans uh, uh, be be erased because of this. Um, and you know, yeah, we're, we've seen um, you know specifically we're, when we're looking at. Latino students uh, or graduates were seeing that 50% of them got their student loans wiped out. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing that you know African Americans have a large a larger portion of student loans um, than their counter wipe uh, wipe parts because um, you know most most students of color are coming from low income um, households. And so those are those are the the big people that are going to see the impact here. And we know historically, you know, that uh, 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 people of color are, um, you know, not not very seen uh, at a lot of these universities. Um, and so it, it is uh, targeting a, a small amount of population. Um, but we're another thing is that we're comparing. Uh, at least for us, we're comparing this kind of to the GI Bill, right? Um, uh, people that were coming back from the military, um, getting them to go to uh, to school, um, it ended up leading to a lot of good economically for the United States. It ended up putting a lot of people uh, into higher education and, and getting and, and trade schools and getting a good career after that. And so we see we see this as a very good. Um, investment in our population. Um, but not, not only that, this is taking care of, this is solving a problem um, of, a, of a broken system. Uh, this isn't the first time that we've heard that, um, you know, higher education uh, uh, is, you know, not affordable to many. Um, and a lot of states aren't investing into higher education. And so this is really uh, uh, being able to impact that as well. Um, I'm seeing argument too. This is an investment in the society. Yeah, yeah. Okay. More? Um, is that the essence? I mean, a large portion of this, I think, is the history of why how we got here. Um, I think that's a large portion of this that uh, we should also talk about, is uh, why did we have to cancel student loans today? And um, what does this mean for the future? Does this mean that we're, uh, you know, in the next presidential run, will the next candidates call for full cancellation of student loans? And I think that's a very important uh, conversation to talk about because we are seeing that uh, states aren't investing in uh, higher education. Mm -hmm. It's mostly the federal government picking the tab, especially here in Arizona. We're one of the last states to invest in higher education. And so the the in-state universities have had to increase tuition in order for students to be able to attend a university. Now, you cited the GI Bill. Yeah. And uh, without a doubt, the GI Bill was way more generous than what the current situation is. The GI, know this, my dad was a recipient. Yeah. Uh, The GI Bill covered full tuition at any institution Mm -hmm. and a modest living stipend. It was was enough to just scrape by, but it was living. So if you got the GI Bill, you basically could go to college, live extremely frugally, or take a part-time job, or without a job even, if you live frugally. But the argument uh, about the distinction would be, 
The GIs earned it. They fought in a war, and the country was feeling gratitude. Yeah. So there is an argument for the GI Bill that doesn't exist now. Yeah. I think one of the, uh, one of the arguments uh, Professor Humer will make, too, is that, you know— um, uh, uh, oh, let him make his let him make his own argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll say that well, certain individuals benefit, right? And so I feel uh, uh, people can make the argument too that like just because I didn't go to school or I didn't go serve, uh, uh, I I didn't benefit from that, right? Mm-hmm. That's always going to be uh, something people argue is that when they don't benefit for from it, you know, they're going to be upset. And uh, I, I would say that, you know, uh, here in, uh, we, we should be advocating for just higher education for everyone. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my final point. That's where, where ASA stands. And we know that the investment return on education is awesome. We know that it transforms communities and makes a difference um, in, in, in our society. Well, that, that element of the GI Bill, I think most people agree, was uh, the, we basically sent a generation to college. And in the period thereafter, the country experienced a level of growth and affluence that uh, we have not met since. So anyway, we have your arguments. Our Professor Michael Humer will join us after the break, and we'll hear the other side of the argument in just a moment here in the Think Tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're discussing here in the think tank a very hot topic, student loan cancellation. You've just heard from Cesar Aguilar. He's the president or executive director, rather, of the Arizona Students Association. We have with us also Professor Professor Michael Humer. He is a philosophy professor at the University of Colorado. I read a blog post that he wrote uh, elucidating uh, a number of reasons why he takes the opposite side of this. I'll, I'll turn the microphone over to you, sir and uh, let's hear your take on this. Why is this a bad idea? Thanks. Well, the first thing to understand is, you know, there's no free lunch. So um, paying $10,000 of somebody's debt, um, canceling debt is equivalent to giving the person that amount of money, and that has to come from someone else. And so uh, the debt can either be paid by the people who chose to take on the debt and agreed at the time to pay it back and they spent the money and got the benefits from it, or it could be paid by people who didn't agree to take on the debt and didn't spend the money and didn't get the benefits from it. And so, um, and in this case, you know, that means the taxpayers. And in general, I don't see why people who didn't take on the debt, didn't agree to pay it back and didn't directly receive the benefits from it should have to pay for the people who did. And that just strikes me as kind of unfair So it's unfair to the taxpayers in general. Uh, The second thing is, you know, it kind of makes makes suckers of the other students. So the loan forgiveness, it's equivalent to giving $10,000 to people who took on student loans and didn't pay them back. But what about the people who either, uh, either didn't go to college or they went to college but they didn't take any loans? So when I went to college, I didn't take any loans and I worked instead or uh, people who took on loans and they paid them back. So all those people are going to feel like suckers because they would have gotten a $10,000 payout if only they had taken at least that amount of debt and not paid it back. And this is closely related to the, the third problem, which is the moral hazard. What's going to happen is people are going to see this, that when they see what happened where the people who didn't pay their debt 
got this payout, um, you know, the next people to take student loans are going to, some of them are going to deliberately not pay them back. So people are going to deliberately take on loans and not pay them back in the hopes that, you know, in the future, another Democrat will be elected and will cancel their debt, which presumably is not the behavior that we want. Uh, the last thing I want to mention is, you know, the underlying problem here is the cost of schooling. The cost of education have been skyrocketing for decades. And what's the reason for this? I suggest that there's one fundamental reason for this. The cost of schooling are set by the school. We are making it more expensive by raising our prices. Partly, you know, what are we doing with the money? Partly we're hiring a bunch of additional administrators who are, you know, unnecessary. And partly we're providing more services to students, like building lazy rivers. And, you know, at my school, uh, in my blog post, I put a picture of our buffalo-shaped swimming pool, right? Because uh, our mascot is a buffalo, okay? So, you know, we build these expensive things to attract students, which are unnecessary, and they drive up the cost. Um, but the, the reason is because we can. As long as there are people willing to pay, we will continue to raise our prices. And, that, you know, that's just how it works. And so if the government pays more money for students to go to school, we will simply raise our prices. And we will continue doing that until they're not paying anymore. Right. So, like, you're not going to solve the problem of education being too expensive by having the government just pay more money to the schools. So, you know, the price will just keep going up until the government gets tired of paying or runs out of money. Oh. All right, so, uh, yeah, those, those are my, you know, basic problems. And then, you know, I want to comment on the idea that, oh, maybe we should have higher education for everyone. And even though I am a professor, and so I'm supposed to say that everyone, everyone should go to college, I don't believe that. I think there are many people who should not go to college. I think there are actually many people who are in college who don't belong in college. Um, and I'm thinking of people who don't actually want to learn things and actually are doing poorly in their classes. A lot of people go to college and then they drop out because they just weren't, they're just like not meant for college, right? They're just not interested, they don't, and they're not good at, at the stuff that we're doing in college. A lot of the stuff that we're teaching in college is um, actually, you know, not practically useful. And this from a and, professor of philosophy. You're you're, yeah, you're yeah. usually but, you're in the field that is usually cited, I think, unfairly, but uh, yeah. cited as the poster child for uh, uh, a non-utilitarian um, uh, right. field. <laughs> well, uh, the thing is, like, I think. Um, a lot of what we do is kind of intrinsically valuable. It, I just think philosophy is fascinating mm -hmm. and like it enriches your soul and things like that. However, I think that's only true if you're actually interested in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so like if you're, you know, just making people go through learning this stuff that they're totally not interested in, then I think they're not getting the benefits. And so, and there are a lot of people like that. And so I just think it's kind of a waste to try to get all those people to go and study things that are also not practically useful. Well, I, I'll, I'll digress a little bit and ask you to respond to the, the, a, a position I've 
had taken on this uh, for a long time and said, now this is not precise, but it's somewhat metaphorical. But basically, I say, you know, an A student should probably can follow their dream. They can they can major in anything and they will find a way to make it useful. A B student should measure, should uh, uh, major in something practical where they can they can see the end job. And a C student ought to question whether they belong in a liberal arts college as opposed to something else. Yeah, I mean that seems fair, right? Now, um, now, the the and the apropos your problem of not everybody belongs in a four year college, and I I think the in the uh, uh, public debate, there's a lot of recognition. Well, too many people going into things that don't have a practical. And don't you think, as a professor, and you've said there are people don't belong in college or 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 a a liberal arts uh, setting at least are. Aren't those folks readily identifiable, with rare exception, on the front end? I mean, how many C, high school C students do you encounter who all of a sudden bloom in college? Oh, uh, probably not any. I mean, I don't know anybody's high school transcripts when they come into my classes, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't know if that happened, but it probably doesn't happen very much, I assume. Um, you know, I think uh, I think my school, okay, I, I don't know the statistics. We, we admit most people who apply. And we probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, a, it's a large majority of the people. Well, we have a, a president right here in Phoenix, uh, Michael Crow, president of Arizona State, uh, State University, who uh, announces that, pronounces that as a benefit. He says, uh, we don't uh, measure ourselves by how selective we are. We measure ourselves with what, how much uh, benefit we can uh, accrue to people who, who you know, can come in regardless. We're at uh, a breaking point. Uh, we, I will, uh, when we come back, we will engage in a little discussion about this. And I'll start out by summarizing what I think are your points. I did that for uh, for Caesar. I'll do that for you as well. And we'll be back in just a moment in the think tank with a discussion of the issue of student loan forgiveness. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back. We're discussing uh, student loan uh, forgiveness. Our guests are Cesar Aguilar, the uh, executive director of the Arizona Students Association. Professor Michael Humer, uh, a philosophy professor at the University of Colorado. And uh, you went through your argument. Let let me summarize, uh, Professor Humer, what I think you said, and you can correct me if I get it wrong. Point number one, uh, the people who benefit from something should be the ones who pay for it. And that... uh, and that there's an unfairness to uh, imposing the cost on somebody other than the beneficiary. Uh, number, yeah. and it was also that they agreed to pay back the loan. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, they agreed to pay it, and now they're they're asking for, or proponents are saying they shouldn't have to. Uh, number two, uh, the uh, the problem of it. Well, you use the word suckers, and I said, well, this is and. Uh, that uh, this would uh, create an inherent inequity. Some people get this uh, and other people don't get it. And among the people who don't get it are the people who uh, took out the loans and uh, scraped and saved and paid them off early. Uh, Number three, moral hazard, which I heard discussed in the 07-08 economic crisis when we were – 
we were uh, basically uh, uh, allowing we were allowing for people we uh, to just to sort of get a free ride on loans that they'd taken out. Uh, same thing. You take out a loan. You take out a loan. You assume a risk. You're removing the risk. You're you're creating the potential of bad behavior, including uh, folks who might subsequently take out more loans than they need because hey, it's going to get forgiven anyway. Uh, point number four: cost of education, and it's one I, I'll actually pursue that with you a little bit. But you you referred to both administrators and uh, and uh, amenities, uh, so sort of um, uh, a uh, amenity war that a lot of institutions are are uh, engaging in in order to attract uh, students. And point number five. Uh, this encourages everyone to go to college, and not everybody is suited to college. Are they, is that a, is that a fair statement of your arguments? Yes, that's completely fair. Yeah, um, one I do want to ask about is cost of education. I've heard this said about okay, the proliferation of administrators. You know, it's easy to take on administrators as a generic term because nobody, no student uh, sees a direct benefit from administrator. But on the other hand, colleges need people to run the place. And some of the people who complain about that, uh, uh, and this occurs at the secondary level as well, the legislators who complain, well, you know, you're putting too much money into administration, and then they impose all sorts of regulatory burdens on the schools and and all sorts of compliance uh, documents, and who the heck is going to, who else is going to do that other than administrators? Um, so... I I wonder about uh, you know what I wonder if administrators are are just foils. Maybe maybe that's excessive, but you know it's such a generic term. Which which administrators that do what are we talking about? Clearly, the, you're, you're absolutely correct that the there's it's in, inarguable that the cost of higher education has skyrocketed. But I can use the uh, Arizona example. I, I'm not familiar with Colorado, but one of the contributing factors in Arizona is that the uh, state legislature has radically, radically cut the amount of subsidy uh, that it has given to the state universities. And and there, at least in Arizona, there's a direct tie there. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can, I can kind of uh, fill in here. So one of the, yeah, Arizona. I don't know how Colorado works, but what I can tell you about Arizona is that most of our new buildings that are being built, most of our pools that are getting built, rec centers, and so on, those are getting funded by lottery taxes here, and so it's not really coming directly from um, our, our tuition uh, uh, funding. And I can tell you too that, like you stated. Uh, Arizona is not investing into our higher education system, and it hasn't been uh, at the rate that it should since 2008. And in, in, in direct contradiction to a state constitution that says, and I quote, yeah. uh, tuition at the state university shall be, and I quote, as nearly free as possible. That was yeah. that was defined away originally as close to zero, and now they're saying, well, as long as we're below the national median, it's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, and, uh, I, and 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 yeah, I mean, you see, presidents. Uh, I'm sure this is happening nationally, but uh, 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 here at ASU, you see, uh, you know, President Michael Crow, who has had to figure out how am I going to get in-state students into our colleges without the state giving us money. 
and you know he's he's transformed the university. He's gone into the real estate business yeah, in the he, process by using ta- mm-hmm. their tax free land to make money. Out yeah, of. <laughs> and, and, but it, he was forced to do that, you know, mm. and 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 he figured it out. But like you said, one of his main missions was, uh, uh, you know, ASU is not in the business of getting you know top people who have you know great grades. We're here to accept everyone, and our goal is to make sure that um, you know the, these uh, students are are able to get a college degree. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm not familiar with how Colorado works or every uh, other university, but I can tell you here in Arizona, uh, it's it's shifted, and, it, and the rising cost of tuition has be, has been directly because the state of Arizona has not put money back into higher education. Let me ask you, um, Caesar, to respond to a couple of the points. One is uh, the professor humor raised the point: no free lunch. The people who benefit from something should pay for that. Yeah. Address that. I think we need to look at education as an investment. We need to, we already do it up to the 12th grade. Why are we looking at it different? Our society has transformed dramatically. Uh, Talking about Arizona, what I can tell you is that back in the day when, um, you know, uh, 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 the Air Force just had came here. Luke Air Force had came here. Military families were moving here. We were growing dramatically. One of the, the, the biggest jobs to ever take place was AC technicians. Well, guess what? You had to go to a university to do that. And now you can go to a community college and take, you know, two years of community college to be an AC technician or go to a trade school. But I think that's how we have to look at it. We have to look at it right now. This is at a university level, and we need to make that investment so that students can study this. And once we have enough people, we can bring it down to the community college level. And then, you know, the undergrad degrees are are being, are are starting to um, not be uh, so important, right? Uh, we're an advanced civilization, and uh, college uh, has has allowed us to do that. And so now it's we're moving into the next step. And I think that's what this is leading to. Let me ask a question, of Professor Humer. Um, you mentioned that in part. You worked your way through school by working. In an era of 30 or thereabouts years ago, that was feasible to do. But I think any reasonable analysis of the tuition structure of most schools right now is that's simply not doable right now. That that tuition relative to wages is, uh, as you pointed out yourself, the, the cost of education has so skyrocketed well in excess of um, of inflation that while 30 or 40 years ago, somebody might have been able to work their way through school. Basically, you can't do that now. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. I mean, uh, the time uh, I was at UC Berkeley, and I think the tuition was something like $1,500. <laughs> <laughs> and even what, even at the time, there was a fiction that they had no tuition. That was fees, I think. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So this is uh, a lot more feasible then. Um, okay, but look, I mean, if if what we're saying is, oh, we should just like subsidize education because you know we want everyone to go to school. Um, I think you know paying money to everyone who goes to college would make a lot more sense than specifically giving money to people who took out loans and did not pay them back. Mm-hmm. I think, like, why do those people get a payout, but the people who pay off their loans don't? I, th- I think the argument is that they were doing it in good intentions. They weren't doing it in the intention that they weren't going to pay the loans back. And it's the same thing from 2008, right, with the housing market. People took out loans and they bought homes with the intention of paying off the home. 
I don't think that people are doing, uh, 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 students are taking out loans with the intention of not paying it back. And if you have the ability to pay off your student loan, you know, you're privileged than, than those that aren't able to pay off their student loans. And so that's why I think the cancellation of $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients is a really good one because obviously they're coming from low income, uh, uh, you know, families and it's getting, they're taking out larger uh, loans to be able to get there. And that's what's making it more equitable. I think it, 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 it's, it's subsidized their tuition, at least for them to be able to, to get that college degree. Yeah, I mean, um, I, so I don't know how many people took out loans planning to not pay them back, but that's going to happen now. Like maybe that wasn't happening in the past, but now it will happen. Yeah, and, uh, I, and, and I, think, I think that will address the actual problem. I think after the cancellation of student uh, debt that President Biden has announced, it will actually start to solve the problems and put universities accountable and also say, hey, the, the goal is not that we want to keep canceling student debt. It's that we actually need to subsidize student debt. And maybe it will start leading to states actually putting the investment forward to uh, put students into college. But if I recall, your very introductory comments were that, well, this is a start. I'd like to see more debt canceled after that. And doesn't that undermine that argument? Well, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I want all of it to be canceled, but that's because I think that higher, we, we think that higher education should be uh, 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 free. Um, and so that's where I'm going from. I think, uh, you know, for, we were in a, um, we were brought up in a, in a and a system that was going to fail eventually. And I think now it's like, let's fix the problem before we keep continuing to go over $2 trillion in student debt. Let's fix it now. And this was the first start to actually fixing the problem. I wonder if you might get more support for the increased uh, funding for education to lower tuition, because the sense would be that would be across the board and available to everybody as opposed to selecting out yeah. uh, a kind of an odd configuration of people who generally skew towards lower mm-hmm. l- the lo- of those who are going to college the most affluent are the least likely to have taken out loans yeah. in general there are exceptions and in particular the the higher limit for Pell Grant recipients those are people who came from more modest backgrounds yeah, but that it's still particularly invidious when we're when we're saying, OK, you get this forgiveness, but you who maybe just bore down, lived, lived marginally and, and got the thing paid off early. Sorry, tough luck. You you know, you you don't get anything back. And maybe, yeah, maybe that could be a campaign strategy. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going to cancel the rest of the student loans that we still have, but. Let's actually talk about reforming higher education. Let's talk about funding higher education. And guess what? I guarantee you more Americans will support that. <laughs> you know, I mean, if the gov- I mean as, I, as I was saying earlier, if the government pays more money to the colleges, we're just going to raise our prices. When that, and that's where the accountability comes. Here in Arizona, the Arizona Students Association ran a ballot initiative last year called the As Nearly Free as Possible campaign. And what we were trying to do is that, hey, we said we're going to we want to give, um, you know, three hundred million dollars to all three universities. And this is going to help subsidize tuition for in-state students. It's going to cut it 50 percent uh, so that students could be able uh, to pay less and be able to attend higher education here in Arizona. But. 
we're going to make sure that the state, the, the, the state universities cannot increase tuition uh, as long as they're getting this funding, and it could only get increase of, uh, infl- uh, with inflation. And so, yeah, the goal is, yeah, we, 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 we want to get there, but we also want to make sure that we're keeping the universities accountable, that they're not just going to increase tuition. This was an initiative that didn't make the ballot, yeah. I gather. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. should have hooked yourself up with the teachers. They know how to get stuff on the ballot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can tell you the universities, I mean, you know, we've drifted away from what the meaning of what a public university is. And, you know, mm. I think a lot of those people up there didn't really support that. Uh, let me give you each a minute or two to summarize and react. Uh, Professor Humer, I'll let you go first. Well, I mean, I don't understand why we should be trying to make college free. Uh, so, I mean, like first, even... Even if that was our goal, you know, this debt forgiveness isn't the way we should do it. We should just, like, pay everyone who goes to college. But I don't understand why we would try to make um, college free. Like, as I I said at the beginning, there's no such thing as a free lunch. It being free for the consumer just means somebody else is paying for it. So why do people who don't go to college have to pay people who do go to college? Like, that seems unfair and, in fact, probably regressive. And then, um, and, you know, like, I don't know any reason for thinking that we have insufficient schooling. Like, you would, you know, you would have the government subsidize things if you think for some reason the market is inefficient and we have, like, an inefficiently low amount of this, which might be true if, like, you know, you're producing large externalities. Um, but I just, I just don't see any reason to think that. If anything, I think we're vastly over-providing schooling. We have, like, many people who are going to school who shouldn't be in school. So, you know, we don't need the government to throw more money to, to increase that problem. Cesar, yeah. you get the last word. Yeah, I disagree with that. I think, at least here in Arizona, you know, 60% of uh, K-12 through is made up of Latino students. And when you're looking at how many Latino students of Arizona are going to our in-state universities, the numbers aren't adding up. And what that means is that, you know, we're looking into a scary future of what the economy of Arizona will look like and where our people will be getting a job. And also, one of the things I want to point out is that, you know, when you're looking at how universities got started, Harvard was the first university to get started. It was where, you know, rich uh, people ended up going to school and only uh, people that could afford it could go. But then you had the University of Pennsylvania, who was founded by Benjamin Franklin in 1749. And um, it was a public university. Rich people paid for this university. And what they wanted was that they wanted people to be able to go get a college education so that they th- they could go into uh, civic service, so that they could be doctors, so that they could be attorneys, so that they could be able to produce this and, you know, uh, make the uh, United States stronger. And so I think knowing that that's where universities come from, and at least here in Arizona, it's the same thing. Um, we had companies who worked very closely with ASU, um, like Motorola, uh, who really pushed to have AC technician engineers here in Arizona. And, and it was one, Motorola was one of the biggest uh, employers here. Uh, and here in Arizona, we're starting to see a lot more companies, a lot of uh, 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 renewable energies. We're starting to see uh, battery car, uh, uh, battery uh, cars. Um, we're starting to see a lot of new technology come in here. Yeah. You got the last word. I have the advantage of having gone into this genuinely conflicted and undecided. Uh, After the break, I'll give you my take on all of this when we return in the Think Tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. 
I'd like to first of all thank our guest, Professor Michael Humer, and uh, Executive Director of the Arizona Students Association, Cesar Aguilar, for being our guest. I wanted to give you my take, and it's from a, I may be one of the few folks who's genuinely conflicted by this. Um, On the one hand, there is a very real equity issue here. Two students of the same means borrow the same amount of money. One of them lives very frugally, pays off the loan. The other lives more expansively, makes only minimum payments. And the second one gets the loan forgiven, and the first one gets nothing. That's inequity. And it's uh, an inequity that many people can directly understand. Um, I think that's some of what's produced outrage in many quarters, as well as by some people who chosen not to go to college for whatever reason and say, why are we subsidizing the future elite? On the other hand, two points. One is uh, two of what I call levels of fraud. One is educational institution fraud. Many, many lower level education institutions, often for-profit institutions, have used a hard sell to recruit and retain relatively unqualified students by by shoving loan papers in front of them saying we you can get a federal loan that will pay all the, all this and in many cases those loans have gone to people who did not have the background to succeed in college but in some of these institutions they lower the standards enough that people get the degree they have a degree they have a massive loan they go out into the job market and discover that that degree is next to useless they've been defrauded the second level of fraud is financial institutions fraud Many of these loans had undisclosed loan terms with excessive interest rates and unconscionable terms. I'll cite you an example in a moment of, of uh, somebody who wrote a piece on this saying that for, they, for example, had paid uh, money in advance to reduce the principal and the uh, loaning institution would not use it to reduce the principal, but only applied it towards future uh, payments. Uh, I'll, I'll read you some of that. Um, the student loan, they're saying, is interest is compounded daily. Extra payments go towards future payments, not to pay down the principal. If you don't pay a payment because you paid money up in advance, they still calculate the interest. This person said, I made all my payments on time, never missed it, and I was told the loan would be paid off in 20 years. I won't say the college financial aid rep lied to me. What I will say, and this is a person, not myself, is she probably didn't understand it herself. I was told there's public service forgiveness. Make 10 years of payments and the rest is paid off. Well, when I applied, I was told my loan were not eligible. I borrowed $45,000 in student loans for the first 10 years. I paid $275 a month. The next 15, I paid $550 a month. That's a total of a hundred and twenty some odd thousand dollars. Plus, I made a final lump payment of sixteen thousand dollars. Total paid back a hundred and forty eight thousand dollars on a forty five thousand dollar loan. She contrasted it with a mortgage where she paid off her mortgage early by making advance payments. So, there's folks in in why the um, these institutions were uh, set up to 
aid the financial institutions. Real quick proposal. The average federal funds rate bank to bank since 2008 has been less than one half of 1%. Student loans are six, seven, eight percent That's unconscionable. What could the president have done? I think cut all the interest rates to a half a percent retroactively and say all students must pay back the full principal, no giveaways. This would, first of all, for many students, have been well more than the 10,000 limit. And I think the public would accept it because they would still understand that everybody is paying back every cent that they borrowed. I think it would have made it much more palatable and That's my take on all this. It's a complicated issue, and there are equity issues all over the place on this. This is Mike O'Neill. You can reach me at MikeO'Neill.org. There's links there to uh, social media, and if you want to contact me directly as well. And we'll see you next week in the Think Tank.